In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, children, I need you to come forward. I need all the kids, even though most of them are mine, <laughs> to come forward, and we're going to have a little talk about what we just read, okay? All right, so listen, check this out. Very good, very good. One, two, three, four. Yep, those are four of mine. And then my nephew. All right, great. <laughs> All right, so here's the thing, guys. Check this out. Have you, this is going to be a sad question. Have you ever been to a funeral? You have? Have you ever known somebody that has died? Have you ever had a pet that has died? Yes. Can you tell me about that? Yes, but didn't you have a pet die really recently? Yeah, our fish blueberry. Your fish blueberry died. Blueberry died? Yes, he did. Isn't that sad? Our fish, just this weekend, he died, didn't he? And we had to bury him at sea. And did that make you happy or did that make you sad? Sad. Sad. Well, that's what's going on in our gospel reading. Oh, you think we're going to get a new fish? Will that make you happy? <laughs> okay, so... Um, Hey, William, are you okay? It was, your, it was your fish, wasn't it? Yeah. But check this out. That story that we read in the gospel today was about a funeral. Somebody's brother had died. Martha and Mary's brother had died. And Jesus was a friend of his, and he loved this man. What was this man's name? Do you know? Lazarus. Lazarus. That's right. Lazarus was Jesus' friend, and he loved him very much. Do you remember what happened when Jesus came to Lazarus' tomb? What happened? He shouted Lazarus' name. He did shout Lazarus' name. But what happened before that happened? The, when he first got to the tomb, what happened? He said to all the people to roll away the stone they obeyed. That's right. Even before that. Does anybody remember? They went to the tomb. They did go to the tomb. All right. So, <laughs> what how, what, how did Jesus react when he got to the tomb? Was he happy or was he sad? sad? He was sad. You know what it says? It said that Jesus cried when he got to his friend's tomb. Did you know that? Now, uh, did you know that when somebody died back in those days, they would wrap them up in a shroud? And so that's what we're going to do right now. Quinn, could you bring me those paper towels? Gray, I want you to stand right here, okay? Stand right here. And kids, this is going to be your chance to get your big brother back for anything he's ever done. Gray, would you hold this right in front of your face? All right. Now, guys, start wrapping him. Wrap him up. Wrap him up. Wrap him tightly. You got to bind him tight. Okay. Okay, this is fun. I can tell this is fun. Uh-oh. Yeah, start a little. No, you just keep going. Just keep going. Keep wrapping. Keep wrapping. It'll be good. Good job, good job. Okay. You got to do it quickly. Because he's going to start stinking. <laughs> okay. All right, that's good. Now, let's, un let's, let's cut this right here. And then we got to wrap his face just a little bit more because they also put a cloth all around his head. Okay. So there we go. I'm going to wrap his face up like this. Okay, and then they would put them, then they would put the body into a tomb, okay? Kind of like that. 
And then they would roll a stone over the front of the cave or the tomb or whatever, and they would just leave him there because uh, what was going to happen was his body was going was to start decaying and start stinking. Okay, so anyway, when Jesus got to the tomb of his friend Lazarus, he started crying. Okay, are y'all focusing on me anymore? Not really, just on this. He liked this, okay. But, um, and so he got there, he wept, and then he said something. He said a prayer to God, and then he said, y'all roll away the stone. Do you remember what Martha said, Lazarus' brother? She said, ooh, but it's going to stink. He's been dead four days. Okay. So they said, don't do it. And then Jesus said, didn't I say that if you trusted me, you would see the glory of God? And so then they rolled away the stone. And then what did, they say? What did Jesus say? He shouted Lazarus. Lazarus, come out. And what happened then? He came out. Gray, can you come out? There you go. Come out. There he goes. Okay, good. He walked out. Oh, and he didn't wait for them to unbind him. He just unbound himself. <laughs> And it was amazing. And what do you think people felt in that moment when they saw Lazarus come out of the tomb? What do you think? Surprise. Surprise? What else? Happy. They were happy? Do you think they clapped? Okay. <laughs> two, two was sufficient to, to do it. Thank you so much. I think they were so thrilled and amazed that, that their, their friend, their brother, and Jesus' really close friend had come out of the tomb alive again. Okay, that's good. Y'all can go back to your seats. Thank you very much. Let's give the kids a hand. Um, all right. I was going to use toilet paper, and then I thought that's going to be way too hard to clean up. <laughs> Thanks, Quinn. The, 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 the emotions that must have been going on with those people, it must have been out of control for them to have experienced this, this friend of theirs who had been dead for them to come alive again. Um, Ashley was teaching a, a, a Sunday school class, I think on this passage, and, and um, she said, so, so uh, we need somebody to be Lazarus, and, and the, and the girl, little girl that was Lazarus, when Jesus said, Lazarus, come out, she was like, <laughs> like it was a zombie that was coming out of the tomb. And Ashley's like, no, it's not a zombie. This is a real person really alive again. Not, not like Night of the Living Dead or, or whatever comes to mind when you think of dead people coming to life. But this was like real life all over again. So anyway, today we celebrate All Saints Day. And it's the day after Halloween. Uh, so we're actually not celebrating on All Saints. We're celebrating on the Sunday after. Um, but that's why Halloween is called Halloween. It's because you know how Christmas Eve is the evening before Christmas? Halloween is the evening before All Hallows Day. And so it's called, um, uh, so Halloween is that day, and then we celebrate All Saints, All Hallows Day, or the next day. All Saints is a day set aside by the church to celebrate all the saints of God who have ever lived, who have gone before us into the greater life of God. And you know the name of some of the more well-known saints. I mean, you know uh, St. John and St. Timothy and St. Peter and St. Paul, those guys from the early church. You also know St. Francis and St. George and all these people who have lived throughout the church's history. We remember them because in their lives we see modeled for us lives of holy living and holy dying. And looking to them, looking to that great cloud of witnesses that Paul talks about is meant to encourage us and remind us that we're not in this Christian life alone. 
We don't go through this life alone. We're with this community, the, the community that we go to church with, the community that we live with, but also there's a whole community of Christians that have already entered into that greater life, and, and we're not alone. All Saints Day is also a day that we remember those people who have lived and who have died that have mattered to, to us, uh, people that were close to us in our life, those people that helped us know who Jesus was. Maybe nobody knows their name except for you, but you know that there have been people that have mattered to you in your life who have helped you to know who God is. It's like that song, I sing a song of the saints of God says, we can all be saints too. In fact, the life of all Christians is meant to be a saintly life, a holy life, a life lived and made holy by our faith in Jesus. And so on this day, remember those people who have touched our lives, who have encouraged us in our walk, and who have modeled for us lives of holy living and holy dying. In the future, something I hope that we do here, something that we, that we used to do at St. Peter's, the church that I come from, is um, we would make banners for all the people that have died in the past year uh, that have mattered deeply to us. And we would take those banners and march them up to the altar, march them behind the cross of Christ to the altar, and then display them uh, in front of the church. Uh, and it was a way of just saying, and a lot of people would not know who those people were, but the family would know. And it was a way of proclaiming to the church that these are God's saints that have entered into that greater life, but that have mattered much to us. So a great way of, of, um, of honoring them. And I hope that you'll pause today, sometime today, just to thank God for those people that have mattered to you in your walk. Okay. All Saints is also a day in which we do a lot of stuff on All Saints. All Saints is also a day in which we celebrate uh, the future that awaits all of God's saints. All of his people who are redeemed by the cross of Christ. And what awaits them? What awaits us? Well, we read about what awaits us in our reading this morning. In Isaiah, we, we are reminded that God has good things planned for his world. Listen to what we read in Isaiah. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of rich food filled with marrow of well, uh, and of well-aged wines, well-refined. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God himself will wipe away the tears from all faces. Now do you see what's going on in this vision? God himself will serve a feast for all people. Is that a staggering thought? This is the God of the universe who will serve us. What a glorious vision that is. And at that feast, he himself again will wipe away the tears from all faces. God will wipe away the tears from all the hurts, from all the disappointments, from all the deep sorrows that we've ever experienced in our lives. For, for all those great sadnesses, he will wipe the tears away. He has seen the tears. And like Sam said in The Lord of the Rings, I don't know if you've seen The Lord of the Rings or read the books, but Sam Gamgee says that everything, he asked the question, has everything sad really come untrue? Has everything sad come untrue? And that's what it's going to be like in that day that we, that we await. Everything sad will indeed come untrue. That's the vision of Isaiah. That's the hope that awaits us. That's the hope that awaits us in the future that God holds. And then this is what we will say on that day. We'll say this. We'll say, 
Look, this is our God. We've waited for him. This is our God. This is the one that we've been waiting for, that he would save us. We've waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. From our reading from Revelation, we heard the same vision, really. This is what it said. It says, behold, the home of God is among mankind. God's home is here with us. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. He doesn't send somebody else to be with them. He comes himself to be with them. And again, it says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for those things will have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne, that's Jesus, the one who was seated on the throne said, Behold, look, I really, really want you to see this. Look at this. I'm making all things new. Isn't that fascinating? Isn't that wonderful? He calls to us, Behold, because he really wants us to see. He's making all things new. Since I became a father of four awesome kids, it has really helped me to understand the whole narrative of, of the Bible from a father's point of view. And you know what I know, and, and, and I know this is, what, this is true of anybody who's ever been a parent. This is, this is true. I know that if, if I created a special place for my kids to enjoy and to have fun and to play, and then I found out that somebody had come into that special place and poisoned their hearts against me. And, the, and, and, and by poisoning their hearts made it so that they didn't trust me anymore. And they couldn't have fun in that place anymore. You know what I would want to do? And I'm not the only one that would want to do this. I would want to do everything I could to call my children back to me and to get them to trust me again. I would do everything I could to win their hearts and convince them that I love them. I'd do everything I could to restore that relationship that had been broken. You know what else I would do? (laughs) I would want to find whoever had come into their special place and poisoned their hearts, and I would want to kill them. I mean, that's just what I would want to do. That person would be my enemy from that day on because my children are so precious to me. And how dare that person come into their place and poison their hearts against me and ruin my relationship with them. Now, I'm not the only parent who would feel that way about some person that did that to their children. Well, people, that's what the Bible is all about. God's children have been poisoned against him. Satan and death have poisoned our hearts. And and, and, and it's made us scared of God. It has filled us with doubts, and we don't trust him like children anymore. And all throughout the Bible, we see God reaching out his, out his hands to his children, calling them back to himself, and he stops at nothing to regain their trust. He stops at nothing to restore that relationship with them again. One of my favorite things that Jesus ever said is this. He said that if we have seen him, then we've seen the Father. To see Jesus is to see God himself. And Jesus has come among us. He came to be with us. That's how much he loves us. And he would stop at nothing to get his children back. Can you see what's going on here? If you're a parent, can you see? I mean, how 
furious would you be if someone had poisoned your own child's heart against you? That's how God feels. That's how God feels, except infinitely more. And so in our gospel, we heard about Lazarus, who was a real person, but he also stands for all of us. Jesus loved him very much, but Lazarus, because like Lazarus, we're all going to die. And also like Lazarus, Jesus loves us very much. Let me read this to you from the gospel. When Mary, the sister of Lazarus, came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. Do you want to know what God is like? You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. That's what God's like. And if Jesus is God, come among us. Do you know what this passage tells us about him? If Jesus is God among us, then God stands outside of tombs and he weeps. That's what it tells us. God stands outside of tombs and he weeps. That's so powerful to me. If God, if Jesus is God among us, then that's what he does. And why? It's because death is not what we were designed for. Death is God's enemy, not God's friend. Jesus wept and they said, see how he loved him. Yes, look at how he loved him. God loved Lazarus so much that he came down from heaven and stood before his tomb and wept. That's how much God loved him. That's how much God loves you. In the Psalms, it says, precious in the eyes of the God is the death of his saints. In the passage again, it says, Jesus, again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. Think about this. Think about this. The word that's used there when it says that Jesus was greatly disturbed is most often used of a horse who's really angry and is flaring its nostrils. That's what it's most often used to describe. Our, our translation says that he was greatly disturbed, but the word should probably more likely be translated as deeply angered or even outraged. And why is Jesus outraged as he stands at the tomb of his friend? Because Jesus did not design him for this. Jesus did not design human beings for this. That's not what we were made for. We were never meant to be defiled by death. We are made in God's image. We were not meant to be shut up in tombs, ruled and bound by death. He didn't make us for that. And so there is Jesus, there is God, standing before the tomb of his friend, and he is outraged, furious, because inside that tomb lies one of his images, broken and defiled. Here is the last great enemy, death, God's enemy and our enemy. And in this moment, we see God raging against it. And then he raises his voice and calls to his broken friend, Lazarus, come out. And he does. He's resurrected. And then Jesus says, unbind him and let him go. Set this man free from the bonds of death. 
Lazarus was broken and bound by death, but God came in Jesus and wept at what had become of his creation, and then he raged against sin and death. And then, with his word, he called his friend out of death into life again. And death no longer held him in bondage. And that's the future that awaits all of us. Each of us will one day hear our Lord call to us. And he will call us each by name. And he will call us out of death into life. And on that day, death will be no more. And mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For those things will have passed away. The Jews who were there said, see how he loved him. Do you see how he loves us? This is our God. This is what he's like. This is what God does. And we've waited for him. And he has come. And he's here. Something else that we do on All Saints is that we renew our baptismal vows. So please stand with me as we reaffirm our renunciation of evil and renew our commitment to Jesus as our Lord and Savior so that we can one day hear him call us each by name.